0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy, and welcome back again to Romans chapter eight as we're teaching it. Today, we're going to talk about glorification, our resurrection body. If that is guaranteed for the future and God says you're going to have a resurrection body, I can see you in heaven even right now, billions of years from now, then apparently you're going to make it through this problem you're going through and the next problem and the next problem. We should rest in God. What a great hope we have. Let's go to the word
1: of God together. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello, welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. I want you to find Romans chapter eight and verse 29. We've been going now for two weeks on the subject of Romans chapter eight, verse by verse. And today we're gonna to take up in verse 29, where we left off last time and head into the next verses. And so while you're finding that, I wanna read a letter here from James and Karen, who have been ministry friends of mine for many years and are, are supporters of the broadcast. And he brings out here and and James says, he says, I'm so happy at this time of your life that God has been using you during the season with the teaching of the word of God, which has become so rare in so many local churches. You always taught us that God has a remnant And we are answering God's prayer and God's call that you have taught us and fulfilling the word of God because of you. So thank you again, James and Karen, you're great. And so again, they're they're ones that I love the broadcast and I've known them for years. Again, I've ministered with them uh, through the past, did a conference with them many, many years ago. But here's the point I wanna bring out is the fact that they appreciate the ministry. Do you appreciate the ministry? I trust you do. And, uh, you know, I've ministered here uh, sometime back and taught on, um, it's in my book also on giving and God's heart for giving, but that different ministries appeal to different people. I mean, there's some that just love orphans and some that, yeah, orphans are okay, we'll support them, but there's some that just love orphans. And others, you know, when it comes to missionaries, they'll mention, well, they're from Cambodia. Oh, people say, oh, I love Cambodia. Others go, well, that, that's fine, but I really like Africa. I mean, we all have these different things that we like. And the same thing is true here of the word of God and the different ministers of the word of God. And some people say, yeah, Bob, I really like you, but I really like this one over here. That's, I mean, he really ministers to him. Well, fine, then you need to support him. I trust you'll support me too, because you like it. But the point is, those that you really love, you feel a connection to, that's important, I trust that you have felt a connection toward me. And when you met, when people mention mysteries, the first one that comes to you, oh, I like Pastor Bob. He's my favorite. They may say, well, he's not mine, but, and you know, we go down the list of things, but I really enjoy it when people say, I connected with you. There was a day I watched your broadcast and thought, this is my guy. Next to my pastor, he's become my teacher. He's the one I'm gonna depend on more and more to find out information from the word of God to begin to order my books. You have flash drives, CDs, And you become a supporter of the broadcast. I would love for you to become a supporter of the broadcast. And no, you're not just here because you like me. You're here because you are connected to me. There's that, again, spiritual connection. And that's what I'm looking for. We join in the heart before we join in the natural. And we join in the heart before we join as far as finances are concerned. This is God wants you to get where your heart is. And again, this is what we're doing. So if you'd like to become a partner with me, perhaps you've been watching for some time, you felt that connection. In fact, you even know the Holy Spirit's talked to you. You've known for some time you should be supporting this broadcast. Would you do it? Just be obedient. And I thank you ahead of time, just like I thank God for those who have joined me years ago and still been supporting me all this time. Thank you so much. I would appreciate having you on the team. So go to bobyandian.com, you'll find a place there where you can become a partner in this ministry. And again, I thank you for it. Well, I trust you found Romans chapter eight and verse 29, cause this is what we're gonna take up today. And we're gonna start with verse 29 and we, ended with verse 29 last time, and we'll go on past that to let you know again what this is saying. What I'm teaching comes from my book on the book of Romans, but also I'm mentioning, uh, I did on the last broadcast too, that I have a book here and it's called Theology Simplified. And this is included on here. I have predestination, I have election on here, as well as many others. And so this will help you immensely along with my book on Romans, because a lot of this came out of the book of Romans, but really take and amplified it even more in this book. And just as I call it, theology simplified. This doesn't make you an egghead because you know a a lot about the Bible or even predestination. These big words, they're simply big words with simple, simple definitions. Jesus taught in parables. Why? Because it made it simple. And this is what we need to be doing with the word of God. That's what this book will do for you. Also, theology simplified. So when you order the book on Romans, also, would you order that book called theology simplified? It would immensely help you. Verse 29 says this, whom he did for, no, he did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The word foreknew, who he did foreknow is the Greek word to mean to know ahead of time, pro ginosko. Pro meaning ahead of time, ginosko, uh, where we get knowledge from. This word ginosko means to know something and to know it ahead of time. God knew everything ahead of time. He also did predestinate, and this is pro aridzo. It means to predesign a plan. So for those he did foreknow. No, He designed a plan for them. Before I ever did it, He foreknew it. And before I ever did it, He planned. What did God plan? He planned a plan of redemption for me because He saw me get saved. It was billions of years and billions of years after He foreknew it, but there came a time when it actually came to pass, and God already had had a knowledge that I would get saved, but He also had a plan for my life. It simply comes back to this. God doesn't save me because of His sovereignty. He doesn't force me. He didn't remove it from my hands, but he knew ahead of time, the greatest power you can have is not muscles. The greatest power you can have is knowledge. Knowledge is the key to everything. And yes, we talk about, well, God is all powerful. He created the universe. Did you know that the eighth Psalm tells us that God created the universe with his fingers? One of the least parts of power that you have in your body is your fingers. Then it goes on to say in Hebrews 1.10, he created the earth with his hands. You have more power in your hands. But when it came to redemption, it says who has believed our report, Isaiah 53.1, and whom is the arm of the Lord been revealed? We've moved from his fingers, that's the entire universe to his hands, that's the earth. He took more time to mold and shape the earth than he didn't even create the universe because this is where we would live. And then finally, again, when it came to redemption, it took his whole arm. Why did it take more power to redeem us than to create the universe and the earth? Because when he created the universe and the earth, he had no opposition. When it came to redeeming us, all hell came against him. It took God's arm to redeem us and to save us. But the point of it was, when he used his fingers, he already had a plan. When he used his hand, he already had a plan. When he used his arm, he already had a plan. He knew Satan would rebel. He knew Adam would rebel. He didn't suddenly throw a plan together. He threw together a plan because of his foreknowledge, whom the Lord did foreknow. He did predestine. And he predestined us also to be conformed to the image of his son, What's it simply saying in that verse of scripture? God had a plan for me before the foundation of the world. He knew ahead of time I would get saved and he knew ahead of time what he was gonna do with that uh, salvation he gave to me, what office I would stand in, what calling I would have to be a pastor, to be a teacher. And the same thing about you. God knew you would get saved. You didn't, you didn't have, God didn't twist your arm, but he knew what your decision would be. And because he knew what your decision would be, he made a plan. Let me ask you a question. If, if, say you work in the government and say you're the president, and they said, listen, uh, today, president, we found out somebody's gonna shoot you. They've, uh, there's somebody out there, we don't know exactly, but we know a, a general area is gonna be in. All we're saying is, is we don't want you to call off this thing. We're gonna have more protection for you in that area because we have got good intel that this guy's gonna try to shoot you from this corner. So we've got everything covered over there. I'm simply here to tell you, you know why, when you made the plan for, uh, for uh, deliverance, you made a plan when you found the plan. Okay, you didn't wait until the, the shooter jumped out and aimed at the president. No, that's not when you made the plan. The plan was made back here when you knew about it. That's the same way it is with God. God doesn't wait for some catastrophe to come in and throw a plan together. He knew the catastrophe was gonna come and he made a plan already. God, didn't, God knew ahead of time when you'd receive Jesus, which is wonderful, and planned a whole plan for you. He didn't wait for you to receive Jesus and go, oh my goodness, let's throw a plan together. No, God had it before the foundation of the world. This is when God, This all comes back to your salvation. He knew about your calling. He knew about how to be conformed to the image of his son and become a disciple. He had all those plans already planned for you before the foundation of the world. And that's found in Ephesians chapter one. All these things were done. Then look at verse 30. Moreover, I mean, not just the calling on your life and not just the fact that you would get saved. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, and this is the Greek word, electos. It's where we get the word elected from. This is found in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse two, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. What are we talking about? The same foreknowledge of God, that God gave me a plan for my life, also he elected me. Why? Because I elected him to be the head of my life, he elected me because I would elect him. He saved me because he saw I wanted to be saved and would receive him. So God sought from the foundation of the world. Even the plans I walk into each and every day, God has pre-designed that plan. All these, and he won't force it on me, but he's waiting for me to accept the plan. In other words, if I'm wondering how I'm going to get out of this mess, I need to go to the one who knew this mess was coming. And before I ever got into it, made a way of escape. The way of escape was there before the problem came along. I can't see it, but God does. All I have to do is go to God and ask him, and he'll begin to show me the path ahead of me. He can lead me like light in the darkness. So moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. But again, all based on the fact that God has uh, predestined me according to the fact that he knew ahead of time pre-knowledge, foreknowledge. And whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified these, he also glorified. I want you to notice everything about this verse. Everything in this verse is past tense. When did God predestine a plan for me before the foundation of the world? And before the foundation of the world, he saw these things and called them a done deal. In other words, as far as God was concerned, it was done. I hadn't walked into it yet, but it was a done deal. I walked into a plan that was pre-designed and purposely planned to win and God already has a plan for me to win in every area of life naturally and in eternity so Again, before the foundation of the world, God saw me and predestined the plan for me. Next of all, He called me, put a calling on my life and chose me to fulfill that calling. The main thing I do in life is not to try to create a call for myself. No, is to wait on God for Him to show me what my calling is. Just like I received Jesus as Savior and walked into a plan called eternal life, God had that plan. Next of all, I wanna find out what He's called me to do. One day he tells me, but he didn't suddenly throw that plan together. He had it together before the foundation of the world. Next of all, whom he called, he also justified. God had a plan for my salvation. The word justified means imputed righteousness. That God had a plan for me to have imputed righteousness. In other words, God didn't throw righteousness together when I accepted Jesus. That righteousness was fulfilled before the foundation of the world and laid there in state waiting for me to receive it. God, this is good stuff this is just good stuff. My salvation, it was being held in state until the day I chose it. God made it, not because he made me choose him. He made it because he knew I would choose him and he simply knew ahead of time what was gonna happen. I said yesterday, it's the same way with Bible prophecy. God isn't gonna make Antichrist. God didn't make the devil, but he knew what they would do. He knew that their plans of rebellion would be there and he already made a way of escape. When Lucifer fell, God didn't go, oh my goodness, what are we gonna do? He already had a plan because he knew he would fall. And with Adam, he knew he would fall, but it was not God that made him fall. He chose to fall and yet God knew his choice, what his choice would be. And already had a plan in chapter three, he told what the plan was. They had just fallen and he told the woman, you're gonna bring forth a child and it's gonna come through a virgin. And he told that to her, and then with man, you're gonna work by the sweat of your brow, but you can overcome the curse that's on this earth. And Satan, you're gonna end up crawling in the dust by the time I'm through with you. It's gonna become through the one who comes for the virgin birth. Again, see, he had the plan already there and simply told them then what was already known in his heart before the foundation of the world. So moreover, whom he predestined, he also called, whom he called, he also justified. God didn't throw the plan of justification, imputing my righteousness to me before the foundation of the world. It was there, I received it, and then it was imputed to me, but it was already in God's plan, already in his vault waiting, he pulled it out and gave it to me because he knew I would choose him. And then it goes on to say whom he justified, these he also glorified, only believe are elected based on their choice to receive Jesus as their savior. Because I elected to choose Jesus, God elected me. Sinners are never elected to suffer in hell. They're never chosen to suffer in hell, and then eventually the lake of fire. This is their own choice, not God's. Election and predestination is the believer's rights, and the believer's gift from God on his choice based on their choice to receive eternal life. Again, 1 Peter 1, 2, we are elect according to the four nine Knowledge of God. The lake of fire is the unbelievers choice based on their own desire to be righteous by their own works. This verse is all positional truth, positional trust in God. We are elected predestined, justified, and glorified spiritually before the foundation of the world, it came to pass in my temporal life the moment I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Working them out into our daily life is called temporal truth or discipleship, the renewing of the mind, learning to walk in righteousness. Jesus not only came to save us from sin, he also came to save us from sinning. So not only on the cross did he take our sins and remove them, and when we accepted him, we now have forgiveness of sins, but there's also where he wants to take our daily life and pull it into line so that we become a Christian, a little Christ walking through this earth.
1: Romans New Testament commentary is a verse by verse teaching of the book of Romans from the personal study notes of Pastor Bob Yandian. In his letter to the Romans, Paul clarified the principle of justification and whether it is by deeds of the law or by the work of God. Paul reveals that the law has never been a means of salvation and that faith has always been the means of spirituality regardless of the dispensation. This epistle also helps us to understand how we may gain victory over the flesh. If we as believers walk according to our new nature, the inward man, we are controlled by the Holy Spirit and not... The Sin Nature. To order Romans New Testament commentary, visit our website at bobyendian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Using straightforward vocabulary and down to earth examples, Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines of the Christian faith are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, Come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. This understanding will allow you to walk in more maturity and stability in your Christian life. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God
0: Alright, let's go back to verse 30 and I want you to notice something about verse 30.
1: Again, it says, moreover whom he predestined, past
0: tense, he called past tense, he justified his past tense. But I want you to notice this other one, beyond justification, he also glorified. It's also past tense, but we haven't been glorified yet. All these things that God had planned for us before the foundation of the world, they're being accomplished one after another, just like prophecy in the Bible. There's been prophecy all laid out here and some have been fulfilled, but there's yet some to be fulfilled. But God looks at those to be fulfilled and calls them past tense. They're already done as far as God's concerned. So is our glorification. Glorification is a resurrection body. Understand this, I have been saved. God chose me for salvation because I chose him for salvation. God predesigned me to be born again because I chose to be born again. God pre-designed a plan for my life because I would be born again. And then also he justified me, gave me eternal life because I accept him as Lord and Savior. But that eternal life was already planned before the foundation of the world. But God already has a glorified body waiting on me. What am I saying by that? I will have a glorified body at the rapture of the church. It is yet to come, but God calls it a done deal. Why is this so important? Right now, God sees me as a born-again, spirit-filled believer walking in the fellowship with God and his word, fulfilling my calling on this life, but I haven't died yet. And even if I did die before the rapture came, I would go to heaven and I would drop this body. It would go into the earth, turn back to dust, Uh, again, dust to dust, ashes to ashes. But when Jesus comes back at the rapture of the church, this mortal will put on immortality. This corrupt will put on incorruption and I'll have a glorified body. This is called again in this verse of scripture, past tense, glorified. God sees it as a done deal. What am I simply saying? You know how long I'll be glorified? Forever. For eternity, I'll be glorified. In other words, God sees me right now in heaven a billion years from now around the throne of God in a glorified body. Why is that so important? If God sees me right now there, then apparently I'm gonna make it through this problem. And apparently, I'm going to make it through the next problem, and I'm going to make it through the next problem. All of a sudden, I have hope for eternity. This problem is not bigger than God's past tenses of the Word of God. Not only did God predestine me to get saved, He predestined me to get saved because I knew I would choose Him. Once I chose Him, His plan kicked into gear. But God has had a plan for every part of my life. The moment I accepted Jesus, I moved into God's pre-designed plan for my life, which included me being justified, not only justified a call on my life, but also glorified. God sees me as glorified forever. And again, billions of years from now in heaven, that's what's going to happen. So if this is accomplished, as far as God's concerned, past tense, I need to see it as a done deal too. I've got a resurrection body waiting on me. Why do I ultimately care how the world goes? I do care because I'm an American citizen. I want things to happen around me, but I can guarantee this. I've read the end of the book. America's not gonna rule the world. Jesus is gonna rule the world. He's not gonna rule it from Washington or from Tulsa where I live or from Dallas, Texas. He's gonna rule the world from Jerusalem. I've read the end of the book. This is what's gonna happen. And I'll be there with him in a resurrection body that I received at the rapture of the church. Wow, isn't that something? Well, if that's my future, then why in the world am I afraid of my present? problems. Jesus said, when you see these begin to come to pass, begin to come to pass, look up, your redemption draws near. I know this, I've got a redemption yet to come. My redemption in Jesus when I got saved is one thing, but my redemption as a physical member of this earth is yet to come to pass, and I'm going to have a resurrection body in heaven. So it simply comes back to this, everything has been covered. No wonder I can walk in the midst of a problem knowing the way of escape was already there. When a problem comes my way, I can begin in faith, begin to go, hmm, this problem was pretty big, but there's a way of escape in here somewhere. In fact, the way of escape was here before the problem existed because God knew this problem was coming and already has a plan. All I got to do is wait on him to reveal it to me of which step to go. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. What steps? The steps that God planned for me in the midst of this mess that I'm in, I'm gonna come through it. We're gonna take a look now, as we're heading toward the end of this chapter, verses 31 through 39 are five rhetorical questions. What does this mean? they're obvious, the answer to these are obvious. When I talk about a rhetorical question, it means I'm gonna ask you a question, but you know what? It's so simple, you already know the answer to it. It is so logical, you already know the answer to it. You already know. By the circumstance around you, I'm gonna ask you a question that's rhetorical. So verse 31 through 39 are five rhetorical questions to the truths we have learned in chapter eight. If you've learned anything up until now, you should be able to answer these questions. The first question is this found in verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? What things? The problems of life and all these things. If God is for us, who can be against us? Did you understand that? Verse 29 and verse 30 simply tells you something. God has everything planned for you because he knew every. Uh, you, he knew you. He knew when you would get saved. He has a plan for your life, a calling on your life. He gave you eternal life. If he did this, don't you think he knows all the problems of life you're going to face and doesn't he have a plan for every day? So what should we then say to these things? What things, the problems of life, whenever we face as we are today, famine, looks like it might be headed our way, energy shortages, which don't exist. that's just manufactured. I mean, they're telling us all these things are becoming against us and all the things we might be facing and they want people to act in fear. What happens when a Christian knows the word of God? We operate in faith. My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Famine, pestilence, wars, no matter what comes my way, God said he would protect me. God would take care of me. I once was young, now my old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. Question one has to do with the sufferings of life. They're going to be laid out in verses 35, verse 38, and verse 39. The problems and adversities of the Christian life come from Satan, the curse that is in this world, or from your own nature, the flesh themselves. God is not the author of your problems. God is the author of your answers. Your problems come from three sources, and it's told us in the book of John and also in the book of Peter. And this is what it says. It says the three sources of of problems in this world is the world system your own flesh, and Satan and demons themselves. God is the answer to these things. It says in James, when you're tempted by evil, don't say God tempted me because he can't tempt anyone with evil. Only Satan does. Does God test us? The answer is yes, but he tests us with good things. He offers good things to us. And with a little question mark at the end of everyone, will you still serve me if I bring these finances into your life? Or will you turn to the finances? In other words, God blesses us with blessings, but then tests us if you're heal with this thing, you're going to get up and then not serve me? Are you really asking me to heal you so you can go live in sin? He says, I'm going to do this great thing for you, but it's going to be a, see a test if we will still follow after me. And the truth should be, no matter what you give me, Lord, I'm going to continually serve you for the rest of my life. Satan throws problems inside. In fact, tests that come in life are not tests by God to see how much progress we have made. God knows how much progress we have made. He didn't have to test us to see that test from Satan, come to let us know also. When we stand up against the devil, it helps us to understand our progress, to help us to understand how far we have come. Our problems next to us seem big, but our problems next to God seem to be small. Let's take a look at the second question. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God paid the ultimate price of offering his son on the cross, won't he take care of us? If Jesus Christ died for us, and now that we've been born again, won't he also freely give us all things? Question number two is this. If the father did the hardest thing he ever did when he gave us eternal life, why can't he provide for our problems in life, which are far simpler? The important teaching of the word of God is not the life of Jesus, but his death and resurrection. Through them, we have eternal life and we have it more abundantly. Salvation is free. And so is everything for this life on earth after we get saved. Now that we are joined to him, grace still gives to us with no strings attached. What am I saying? The love of God. Oh, yes. Many things in life we have to accomplish before we reach those particular gate, those particular areas of life. But as I grow and God blesses me, the blessing didn't come because of my works. It came because of God's trust in me. It simply comes back to it. It comes by grace. So if God did the hardest thing for me when he saved me, surely he can do these simpler things afterwards. And this is what we're coming back to. He who did not spare his own son delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now that I've been born again and God did the ultimate for us, won't he do these smaller things for us? Oh, I need to be healed. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did on the cross. You need some provisions in life. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did on the cross. You're going to heaven. That's nothing compared to what Jesus did on the cross. We have been so blessed by the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we're still so blessed because after we receive him, God wants to freely give us all things. Why are you fearful when God holds the whole universe in his hands and all the futures in God's hands? We can read the end of the book and we win. See
1: you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bobyandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.